بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين In the name of God, the most compassionate, the most merciful. We talked about the significance of taqwa and then about faith or iman to be a very important factor in taqwa. And then we talked about the Quranic understanding of iman and Alhamdulillah, we studied many verses of the Quran which directly try to introduce to us who are the faithful, who are mu'mineen, the believers. So now we want to refer to hadith. And of course, there are many hadith about Iman. For example, if you go to Al-Kafi, the second section of Al-Kafi. Al-Kafi starts with Kitabul Aql Wal Jahl, which is about intellect and ignorance. And then the second section, which is many chapters, is Al-Iman Wal Kufr. It's about faith and disbelief. And also in other books. I am not going to uh, talk about Iman as we have in Hadith, but there are many, many. I am very focused just the signs of being faithful because our discussion is about indicators of piety so what are the signs of a faithful person when you read the hadith you find different types of signs are introduced in some hadith some external signs are mentioned in some hadith some internal signs are introduced because we have to have both sometimes you need a quick review a quick evaluation when you see someone you want to realize whether he's a good person at least minimum you know amount of goodness is there or not so you need external signs something about appearance but sometimes you want to make a long-term relation with someone so you have to have both types of signs. I start with a famous hadith. You are all familiar with this hadith, which is from Imam Hassan al-Askari, the 11th Imam. This is hadith which normally uh, before Arba'in, you know, scholars recite you know, about this hadith. And it is mentioned by the late Sheikh Tusi in Tahzeeb al-Ahkam, volume 6, page 52, and also by the late Hurra Amali in Vasa'il al-Shia, volume 4, page 58, also in many books. Imam Askari is quoted as saying, Alamatul Mu'min Khams. The signs of a faithful person are five. So there are five signs. Alama. Alama in Arabic comes from the root ilm, which means knowledge. Alama means ma yu'lamu bih, something by which you can know something. So we say sign, because sign helps you to understand something. So, for example, 
if there is a, a smoke this smoke is sign that there is a fire okay if for example there is knowledge in one person the sign is that for example this person is very careful in his words for example or he becomes you know patient for example so everything has a sign what are the signs of mu'min in this hadith imam askari alayhi salam says alamatul mu'min khams there are five signs when we say there are five it doesn't mean that there are not six or seven you have to understand in many cases when in the hadith they say there are three or four or five signs it doesn't mean that there is no more at least these are to be remembered and mu'min here is not something you know which is about the heart about the face mu'min here means a follower of ahlul bayt as you will see these are the signs by which you can recognize whether a person is a follower of ahlul bayt or not because sometimes mu'min in hadith is used in the sense of a shia a follower one is salatul khamsin or in some version ihda wa khamsin to say 51 rak'ah prayer 51 rak'ah prayer 17 rak'ah are wajib obligatory yeah two for the morning four for noon four afternoon three maghrib four asha makes 17 we have also 34 nawafil so 34 plus 17 makes 51 okay even the first sign is enough to exclude all of us <laughs> because i don't think any of us would be doing this 51 like you know every day so may god forgive us but at time of Imam Askari salam, this was a sign to recognize who is a follower of Ahlul Bayt or not. And ulama say, you know, at least if you cannot do 34, do some of them. At least, for example, for the especially for Nafil of Zuhr, it's very important. You know, eight rak'ah, four in two for Zuhr. And also Salatul Layl, which is very important. Normally, the least we do is the one for Salatul Asha, because we do it, you know, when we are sitting. So that's the easiest one. So at least do part of it so you are included in the list of those who do Nawafil. Because there is a big list of those who do Nawafil. Some do 34, some do less. At least if you do a little, so you are in the list. And among all the mustahab, all the recommended prayers, this is very special. Nawafil, daily nawafil, are the only ones that have qaza. You know, like vajah prayer, that if you don't do it in the time you do qaza, nawafil also you can do qaza. So if today you couldn't do salatul layl, you can do it qaza later. It shows that it's so important. And in a hadith, Imam Zainul Abidin said that 
only those parts of salat in which you have presence of heart are accepted so if you say five minutes the prayer of zor for example five minutes how much presence of heart you have one minute few seconds only that part is accepted then the person who was there said if that is the case we are destroyed halakna then Imam said, if you do nawafil, it will compensate. So nawafil will help to sort out the problem of the prayer. Of course, not legal problem, not fiqhi problem. You do your salat properly according to all the regulations, but you don't have presence of heart. Salat is not void, but is not accepted. Nawafil helps to be accepted. May Allah, inshallah, give us this tawfiq to do nawafil, inshallah. The second sign of mu'min is ziyarat al-arba'in. The ziyara of Imam Hussein on the day of arba'in, 40th day after the martyrdom of Imam Hussein. You know that in Iraq, this is the busiest time in Karbala, even busier than Ashura, arba'in, because Everyone tries to go and visit Imam Hussein on the day of Arba'in. Why Arba'in is so important? It doesn't say Ziyarat Yom Ashura. It says Ziyarat Al-Arba'in. My understanding is that the number 40, which has been mentioned in many cases in Hadith and the Quran, is the sign of completion when you do something for 40 times it becomes like a habit it becomes established for example we talked about trying to purify yourself for 40 days then the fountains of wisdom will flow or for example there is hadith that if someone remembers 40 hadith that can benefit in their life, Allah would raise him and resurrect him as an alim on the day of judgment. Or for example, there is hadith that if a person becomes 40 and he is not a good person, then Satan would be very happy and says, may my father be your ransom because you will never become good. So it doesn't mean it's impossible, but it's very difficult for a person to change after 40. It's possible, but it's very difficult. So it's much easier for the youths to become good. Or for example, there is hadith that if 40 people ask God to forgive someone, Allah will forgive him, inshallah. So there are many things about the number 40. Our prophet also was appointed as a prophet when he was 40. Moses, when he went to receive tablets, at first he had appointment for 30, then it was extended another 10 days. It became 40. Or the Quran, when talks about the progress of human beings, says that the age 40 is the maximum. After that, again, you go to decline. When you have reached 40, this is the best time. Then after that, again, you become weak. So number 40 is a special number. 
So, my understanding is this. A person who does ziyara of Imam Hussein on the day of Ashura or the second day or the third day, still this may not become a kind of habit for him or a kind of, you know, characteristic for him. But if you manage to remember Imam Hussein for 40 days, then you will never forget him. Your relation with Imam Hussein and the martyrs of Karbala become fixed, become constant. So therefore, the ziyara of Arba'in is considered to be the sign of mu'min. Those who are not that mu'min, they may forget after one day, two days, three days. But 40 days is the sign of completion. So, ziyarat of Imam Hussein on the day of Arba'in is the second sign. The third thing is to have your ring in the right hand. Here we have different hadiths. Once I made a search about this and I realized that over time it changed. There was a time that it used to be in the right hand. Then Bani Umayyah made it the left hand. Then Imam said it should be right hand. Then it ch changed. So nowadays what we do, we put sometimes both hands or at least in the right hand so that that is considered as a sign of Iman. So to look at a person who has this ring in the right hand can help you to understand whether he's mu'min or not. I remember once in Mecca, we went to drink these, you know, cane drinks. They produce kind of drink from cane. And I was uh, with some brothers, and then a brother came from Bahrain. Just by looking at my ring, he realized that we are followers of Ahlul Bayt. So this is a kind of sign that it's good to quickly recognize someone. He couldn't realize I am a good person or not by just looking at the ring, but at least he realized that we are part of the same, you know, school. And then, of course, he didn't let us pay. He paid for us. The second thing is, and may inshallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring peace and safety to all our brothers and sisters in Bahrain inshallah. The other thing is jabin, to put your forehead on the soil. This is very important. Or at least an earthy material, but preferably soil. Our Sunni brothers have many hadiths about this. According to some of their own hadiths, which they say it was for a time, and later, you know, it was not necessary. But according to their own hadiths, the companions of the Prophet used to suffer a lot because it was very hot and they had to put their forehead on the sands which were burning. And there are hadiths which says that we used to keep some sands in our hands when we stood up. Keep them cool and when we went to sajda we put them and put our forehead on the sands. 
If it was allowed to put your forehead on dress, why they didn't do that? What they had to keep this sand in their hand? It means that it was not allowed. They had to put their forehead on something from the earth. Or for example, there is a hadith that the nephew of one of the wives of the Prophet called Suhaib. When he wanted to go to Sajda, he used to blow so that there is no dust, so that his forehead doesn't become dusted. The Prophet didn't like this. The Prophet said, Tarrab wajhaka ya Suhaib. Let your forehead touch this dust of the soil. This is more humble. This is more natural. Because you put the most important part of your body on the soil. This is the maximum amount of servitude. Or there are many hadiths in their own books that the companions of the Prophet used to do sajda on something like date leaves or you know like thatch there is only few hadith which says that they used to do sajda on the for example on the sides of the turban or things like this and there is no consistency in their hadith in any case what we followers of the ahlul bayt do is the most kosher thing is the most kosher thing. Why? Because there is no Muslim, no school of Islam who says it is wrong to do sajda on the soil or sand. Everyone accepts this. Whether you can do it on rug or carpet or dress is controversial. So if you want to be on the safe side, do this. Do sajda on something which is from the earth. Something which cannot be eaten or dressed. So this is another sign of mu'min. وَالْجَهْرُ بِبِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ To say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim loudly. In the prayer of Fajr and Maghrib and Isha, we say loudly all the chapters, Hamd and Surah. In the prayer of Zuhr and Asr, at least Bismillah ar-Rahman Of course, the sisters have different ruling when there is you know namaharam or whatever but bismillah rahman rahim is something which is very important and should be recited loudly unfortunately nowadays not only they don't say it lightly they don't say it at all and this is a great loss Imam Sadiq said, This is the greatest verse of the Quran that Shaitan has managed to steal. Millions of Muslims say their prayer without saying Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. And Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim is so important that Allah has revealed this 114 times. It's not revealed just once. According to the teachings of Ahlul Bayt Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim is part of each chapter. It's not only revealed at the beginning of Surah Al-Hamd. It's revealed for each chapter. Apart from Surah Tawbah chapter 9, every chapter has Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim 
and in Surat Naml we have Bismillah Rahman Rahim in middle, so it's 114 times. The only thing that has been revealed 114 times is Bismillah Rahman Rahim. But according to other Muslims, Bismillah Rahman Rahim is only revealed once, and it is just copy pasted. Thus they have put it. We say no. It's revealed 114 times. It's so important that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that I want you always to start with remembrance of my name, especially these three. Allah, Rahman, and Rahim. As a Muslim, you have to start everything with this. This has great impact. You know, when Allah says, you start with this, and we have hadith that everything without mentioning Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim will be useless. Kullu amran zibalan lam yubda bismillah fa huwa abtar. If you start something without saying Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, it may not bear fruits. It may not end with good results. Always say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. If you want, for example, you know, a slaughter without Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, it's not eatable. It has great impact. What does it mean? I give you just two points. I hope I don't forget the second. <laughs> so there are two points. One, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that your understanding of me must be understanding of a Lord who is merciful. I have many qualities. I have thousands of names, not only 99 or 100. I have many names, but none of my names come next to these. Allah and Ar-Rahman, which are two names that you can use for God, you know that Ar-Rahman can be used as a proper noun. There was a dispute among Muslims whether they should call him Allah or Ar-Rahman. And Allah says, Rahman. If you want to call him, you can call him Allah or you can call him Rahman. Whatever you call, for him is Al-Asma'ul Husna. The most beautiful names belong to him. Ar-Rahman is a proper noun for God, like Allah. So he says, you must remember me as God who is very merciful with respect to everyone, and Ar-Rahim, and he has a special extra mercy for the good people, for the believers. Okay? He has mercy for everyone, but he has a special mercy for the believers. This is Rahim. Now, you may ask why chapter 9 is not started with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. You, you know why? God wanted to express his displeasure. Yeah. Because chapter 9 is mostly to warn the pagans who have transgressed all the boundaries. And Allah wants to warn them. If he says, 
Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. I am going to warn you. They would not take it seriously. Because the one who is very merciful, you know, we don't you know, need to bother if he warns us. So he doesn't start Surat Tawbah with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. But there is a beautiful point here. Why, instead of Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, he doesn't say something else? He could have said Bismillah and then Qasim al-Jabbarin, the one who destroys the tyrants. He could have said Bismillah khair al-Muntaqimin, the one who is the avenger. Why he doesn't say like that? The answer is, maybe, this is what I understand, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us Either I introduce myself as Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim or I say nothing. I don't want to introduce myself in any other way. Either I can say that I am merciful, which is 113 out of 114, or I cannot say Bismillah Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, so I prefer not to say anything else. I don't want to tell you that I am angry with you. I am, you know, avenger. And then I make sure that I find another opportunity to say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Yeah. His mercy precedes everything and his mercy is the closest thing to his essence. Nothing is like his mercy. And last year, Alhamdulillah, we talked about this and in particular I want to remind you of this point that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when it comes to his mercy he says his mercy has no limit. For example, Allah says, Azabi usibu man asha. There are people that who are going to be punished because they have left no choice. But warahmati, my, my mercy. Who are going to be receiving mercy? Azabi usibu man asha. But what about my mercy? He says, But my mercy embraces everything. Azab is only for some people, but mercy is for everyone. His mercy has no limit. So, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, first of all, teaches us about the way that we should understand God. The second point is that it also tells us that you also have to be a channel of God's mercy. How can you start with remembering God who is merciful and then try to harm people? It's impossible. Can I say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim and then I harm you, I wrong you, I violate you, and disregard your rights, it's impossible. So if you remember that you are starting this with the name of Lord who is the most merciful, you have to become merciful. Especially in this way. It's very beautiful. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I am Rahman and I am Rahim. What does it mean? 
I am merciful with respect to everyone. Even kuffar without Allah's mercy could not survive. If it was not Allah's mercy, how can they survive? So even for them, Allah has mercy. But he has a special extra mercy for the believers. So what should I do? Everything that you do as a person, as community, try to be good for everyone and especially good for mu'mineen. So if, for example, as Muslim community in London, we are going to plan something, we should plan it in the way that doesn't harm anyone. It would be useful for everyone, but especially useful for mu'mineen. Okay? So it's not that you harm others to benefit Muslims. This is not the way Rahman acts. Rahman acts in the way that is good for everyone, but especially for mu'mineen. If you say, I want to treat everyone equally, is not right, because there are people who have deserve more. But if you want to discriminate and say, I don't want to bother at all about non-Muslim, this is also not right. This is not what Rahman does. So Rahman is wise. Whatever he does is good for everyone, but especially good for the believers, for Mu'mineen. So, <coughs> Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim is very important, and we cannot do justice, you know, with this. It's much more than what we think. <coughs> so, a sign of Mu'min is that he says loudly, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. If you look at all these five signs, you find that they are things which are very clear, very apparent. These are external signs. You can look at someone and see he does 51 rak'ah prayer. You don't need to go into the heart of that person. You just look at him and find out that he has this habit. Or ziyarat on the day of Arba'in. Going to the Karbala on the day of Arba'in or at least reciting the ziyarat. Having the ring in the right hand. Putting the forehead on the soil, saying Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim loudly. These are the five signs which are external, which are apparent. These are helpful in quickly realizing who are mu'mineen. Or let me put it in this way. These are the signs that can help you to quickly put aside those who are not mu'min. Yeah? So if someone doesn't have this, you realize he is not a mu'min. But those who have this, whether they are really mu'min or they are hypocrite or whatever, takes another step. So, the external signs, more than helping to find out who is really mu'min, help to find out who is not mu'min. Okay? For example, we say, an alim is the one who has imamah. Okay, if someone doesn't have imama, he's not alim, but everyone who has imama is alim? No. Or for example, someone goes to the hospital, says, who are the doctors, who are the nurses? You say the doctor has this dress, white dress, for example, nurse has blue dress, I don't know, depending on different countries. Okay, so those who don't have white dress are not doctors, but not that everyone puts on the white dress becomes doctor. Yeah? Because people can just do trick. They put on the right, white dress, 
pretend to be doctor. So external signs are helpful in finding who is not included. But you are not still sure about this person. And therefore we have some other signs in the Hadith. For example, Imam Bagher says, and this is again in Tahzib Al-Ahkam by Shaykh Tusi, volume 7, page 236. Min alamat al-mu'min, thalas. There are three signs for faithful people. And Imam says men, it means that it, these are some of the signs. One is husnu taqdeer fil ma'isha. This is very much emphasized in our hadith that a mu'min should be able to plan for the economy of the house. A mu'min is not wasting the money, not wasting the food or dress. You have to be able to plan for the economy of the house. It's different from being miserly. You know, some people are not making distinction between being miserly and being capable of managing. Miserly is not good, but still you shouldn't waste. I, I shouldn't waste money or resources or food because I want to be generous. For example, because I'm generous, so if I have five guests, I make food for 20 people. This is not generosity. This is israf. So mu'min must be very careful. And alhamdulillah, I see there are mu'mineen in alhamdulillah this town in many places that they are very rich, but never waste. Never become extravagant. You can be a billionaire, but how many dress you need? Maybe you need three, four, five, I don't know, pieces of dress. Why you have hundreds? So, husnu taqdeer fil ma'isha is very important. And I think this is one of the things that our generation were not able to teach the young generation. It's very difficult nowadays, you know, because sometimes it seems that there is not that much value for money. They think it comes just, you know, like rain. And the money of parents is just, you know, coming from air, you know, without any efforts. So for them, spending hundreds of pounds buying, you know, a game or, you know, new laptop, whatever, is not that much important. So it's very important to make them learn the value of money. There's a beautiful story that once a father told his son, he wanted to educate him, to train him, that the first day you earn some money, for example, one dirham, which was the silver coin, you got that golden coin and silver coin. If you earn one dirham, I consider you that you have become mature and, you know, a man. So this boy wanted to cheat. Instead of going and working, he went to his mother and said, give me one Derham. My mother, you know, was very, you know, kind, so gave this Derham. And sometimes this kindness is not good, you know. So 
So he gave him that dirham and he went to his father. Father was next to an oven, like a bakery. So as soon as he took the dirham from his son, put it in the oven, said it's not accepted. He said, this is one dirham you told me, you know, go and earn one dirham. He said, no. So the son went to his mother again next day and took another dirham and went to his father. And again, the father did the same. So after a few days, his mother said, go and really work. He said, how does my father understand? He, he doesn't understand whether I have worked or not. He said, no, you have to go on. So finally, he worked hard to gain one dirham. And when he got this dirham and went to his father, again, his father threw it to the oven. And he went to the oven to bring it out. Said, this is the one that you have earned. Because you have made efforts. So far, it was not yours. And this was why you were not worried. So if you really work for something and earn it and own it, you don't spend it easily. So it's important that the children right from the beginning learn how to earn a little money so that they can appreciate with, with efforts. If you we give them everything you know, ready-made, they don't appreciate. So this is very important. Be good in planning for the economy of your family. Second, one sign of mu'min is to be patient when calamities happen, when tragedies happen. If everything is smoothly going on and you know is nice, you don't find who is mu'min, who is not mu'min. But when there are difficulties, when there are tests and trials, you can realize who is mu'min, who is not mu'min, who is losing his patience, who is not losing his patience. And you know, patience is so important that the hadith said it's like head for the body. And third, what tafakkuhu din a good mu'min, a genuine mu'min is the one who tries to understand his or her religion, her faith, properly. If your faith is the only way to please God, so you should never be reluctant to learn more. You always want to know more about your faith. You always want to go to the deeper levels of understanding of your faith. If you, for example, you know, if there is a person who loves, for example, one science, or who loves one object, or who loves one country, or one language, or one personality, always wants to study more, to read more, to discuss more. A moment is always thirsty for learning, knowing more about his face. And the concept is a tafakko, deep knowledge, not just superficial things, not just, you know, some kind of stories and this kind. No, these 
stories are not enough. You have to have deep knowledge. Stories are good to make it understandable. There are people who don't know about Islam except some stories they have heard from parents or, for example, you know, some just rituals. No, you have to have deep understanding of Islam. وَقَالَ And then Imam Baghir said, مَا خَيْرٌ فِي رَجُلٍ لَا يَقْتَصَدُ فِي مَعِيشَتِهِ مَا يَسْلَهُ لَا لِدُنْيَا وَلَا لِآخِرَتِهِ Again about the necessity of being economical, Imam said that there is no goodness in the person who doesn't know how to run his own family economy. You have to be very good in running your own economy. Okay, if you look at these three signs, you find that they are very different from those five signs that we had in the Hadith from Imam Askari. Those five were external signs. These three are about the skills and about the interest, about the qualities of the person. Very much about the personality of the person. Those five were about the practices. You find the difference. So Iman can be recognized in different levels. One is to look at the appearance of Iman, to the manifestations of Iman, the way a person behaves. But deeper than that is to realize the qualities of the heart. Inshallah, from tomorrow, I will continue this discussion about some more signs of Iman which are related to the heart. And then I will give you few things that I think summarize everything. If some people have these few things, you can be 100% sure that they are definitely good. So you have to wait a few more days, inshallah, so that we come to that, inshallah, point. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala include us among the true and genuine mu'mineen, faithful people. May Allah be pleased with our actions and our qualities. And may Allah, inshallah, include our children among the best followers of Islam. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.